Hey, B. Yes? Have you heard? Heard what? Winter is coming. Oh my god. Is Game of Thrones coming back? Are they redoing season eight? No, just regular winter. Oh. I'm going to need two things then. Warm feet and coffee in my belly. I think I got just the thing for you. Oh yeah? Yeah. We've got some amazing partnerships with two companies, Smartass Undies and Cafe Hacienda Rio. Smartass Undies is a small business committed to saving the planet and your mindset. They're engineered from recycled materials to produce sustainable and super comfy underwear and socks. Motivation is perishable and needs refreshing every day, just like your undies and socks. Every time I look down at my feet, I see words like gratitude and self-discipline and integrity, and it just keeps me going. Tell them about the coffee, Dante. Oh, I've got coffee for you. Cafe Hacienda Real Coffee from Costa Rica. This micro roastery is just outside of San Jose. We found it a couple of years ago when we were in Costa Rica. They small batch roast a custom blend of pea berry and Arabica beans. You can pick your roast type and whether or not you want it ground or whole bean. And then they will ship to order exactly what you want. Now we've got a couple of offer codes for our listeners for Smartass Undies. We have links in the show notes to get to the website. And when you, once you get there, you're going to use the code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. And for the Hacienda Real Coffee, you're going to go to goldenbean.net and use the promo code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Kick Winter's ass. So who do we talk to today? We had a wonderful conversation with Dr. Trina Orchard. She was lovely. She is lovely. And yeah. you know, I love all the guests that we've we we've talked to. We choose them very carefully. We do because we we definitely want to make sure that they can bring something to the podcast that fits with the sorts of well, with what our ethos is, what we want to try and accomplish, mm-hmm. and what we want the kind of message and the education we want to be able to pass on to our listeners it's important for people to hear our guests speak but don't i love when we have a guest that is like a quick car ride away yeah she's really close to us geographically which is not true for most of our guests for no. any of and our we guests. don't love them any less because they're far away no we're trying to get there but shit keeps fucking up everywhere yeah that's a whole nother story carrie but... we're coming for you <laughs> so you know. Ooh, a little easter egg for carrie eh? <laughs> But yeah, so she studies sexuality mm-hmm. and she is a professor at Western University in Done some Ontario. really cool research. Very, very cool. Uh, we're actually going to have her back on to talk about sex work. Yeah, so, I think so. And sex workers. But this time we spoke with her about online dating, mm-hmm. specifically Bumble. Which is near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes. Because for you, it allowed you to build a stable. Oh my God. And for me, it allowed me to meet you. And, I didn't build a stable. And other women. But well. anyway, that's okay. Um, yeah, it's been touted as the feminist dating app. Mm-hmm. And so she did some field work and 
speaks to it and she's actually putting it in an upcoming book mm-hmm. it's yeah it's where her experience is is becoming a book yeah yeah so so she was gracious enough to share some of her research and what she has so far and so we talked about that and we also talked about the joys of older women dating younger men joys on both sides yes mm-hmm. so that's something else that her and i had in common besides an intense love for cats. Oh, I was wondering where that intense <laughs> love was going for. Mascotas. Mascotas. Domésticas. Sí. Yeah. Gatos. Gatos. Y gatitos. Y todos los gatos. You spend a lot of time trying to make sure you stay in the right league on Duolingo. <laughs> I do. But and anyway. You need to so get in a plane and go somewhere where you can use all that. I Spanish. know. I know. All that impressive Spanish you just laid on see and that's what I love about younger men they just want to go and do stuff anyway so we have (laughs) a little conversation about that too and uh, some of the you know dispelling some of the myths and stereotypes about that and she's super articulate and just so much fun and really really intelligent and a, a wonderful role model for her students who she's missing terribly. Mm. It was really upsetting. Mm -hmm. But anyway, hopefully we'll be out of this fairly soon. And uh, we'll go give Dr. Orchard a big hug. Yeah. Perfect. Enjoy, everyone. Enjoy. Today we have with us Dr. Trina Orchard. Dr. Orchard, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for being here. I'm happy to be here. We're okay. We're, I know you're really excited about this. I, am, I, I, am, I mean, I we're am. both really excited, but B is particularly excited. I, I I am because you know there there's there's a lot of things that I feel that we're that Dr. Orchard and I are kind of kindred on. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Not that I feel you know outgunned by you no. often, but it's just <laughs> yeah. So let's just jump right into yeah, it. Absolutely. Do you want to? You want to? Okay. So Dr. Trina Orchard, Trina is. A social scientist at the University of Western Ontario and has written or it's upcoming the book on your experience. It's in progress. It's developing. There we go. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and yeah. and maybe the impetus for it and, and how that's going? Yes. Well, in the beginning, seven years ago, the genesis of this experience was that I was I was single for a while. That was my choice. And I had also recently decided to make a huge change in my life and become um, a sober person. So on a really profound healing journey. And that kind of has an impact, at least it did, you know, for me, in terms of where I could meet prospective people. And I was interested in meeting men. And so bars were out. You know, I had sort of the idea of the dating app or online uh, sites as sort of being increasingly popular. And so I dipped my toes in the digital world first with a little bit of time on elite singles, which was a joke because it was just like, frankly, a bunch of like old white guys with money. And I had a couple of marriage proposals. Wow. Um, so, yeah, before even meeting, it was basically like, hi, do you want to be my wife? I'm like, <laughs> no. And you are. Who are you, my friend? Okay. So that was the elite singles. And I also did the, I think it was match.com. And I just was, I was 
kind of stopped at like how this actually works because you screen after screen after smile of smiling face and you know very little to go on and a couple of communications and you know a failed encounter with guy who was really into weightlifting uh, that was the extent of my match.com situation and so I was like okay I have to bite the bullet and do a dating app I just have to I want to try it out I'm curious totally scared I really am not a technical person in any way shape or form so I was nervous to do it, not just because of the dating piece, but because of the technical piece. Like, how do you actually use this? Everyone's using them, but how do you actually do it, you know? And I thought, okay, there are so many options. Tinder is apparently just like for dirty hookups. So no, not yet anyways. I did try it later on and had much more success. But uh, I thought, okay, well, I'm a feminist. There's this dating app called Bumble. It's touted as the world's first feminist dating app. Um, Mama's going to give that one a go. So that's how the decision behind the particular platform happened. And so almost immediately after sending my profile into the Bumble universe or the hive, as I refer to it into my upcoming memoir, you know, it was just such a surreal experience, you know, ding, 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 messages, messages, all these people. I'm not a huge texter, so hello. So I was, a bit, I, I was at like all these disadvantages, you know, but there was lots of interest and lots of communication and a very steep learning curve in terms of dating sort of experiences as well as the technical piece. And it just became really clear to me that this is Wild West place. And I realized people have written about dating apps as sort of being a Wild West. And I struggled and I felt weird and vulnerable and excited and turned on and disappointed and disappointed and hey, disappointed. <laughs> hey, disappointed. <laughs> and I it's just some themes are coming up. I'm like, I just have to write this down. This is mm. so interesting. As someone who studies sexuality and I'm experiencing it in this very new way, a lot of things were really interesting to me. And so I just began writing in a notebook actually, and that soon began being you know, was very filled up. And so I shifted to, you know, a just basic Word document. And within the first month and a half or so, I had like 60,000 words. And I began sharing some of my insights with some of my students and friends, and lots of them were, had similar experiences. And it was just interesting to make sense of them. And it also incited people to share their stories. And so there was spaces for sharing as well as like screaming and laughter and this and that. <laughs> it was very, it was a very productive kind of situation. So that's kind of an overview. So you found uh, students like, so university students, so basically yeah. 19 yeah. to 24 yeah. group, and you found they were having similar experiences to yours? Yes. Not just similar, like almost identical. Almost identical. And I was like, Dude, I'm like 20 something years, I could be your mom. But anyways, <laughs> like, shouldn't these aspects of our lives, our intimate lives, our sex lives, shouldn't they be kind of varied and unique? You know, and it dawned on me, okay, so this platform, you know, the medium is the message, mm. right? But um, I think that that's kind of interesting and sort of big brother-ish in a way. I don't want to have the same sex lives and intimate experiences as everybody else. Hmm. That's really boring. The sex life I had in my 20s was painful like mm. not literally like figuratively emotionally painful mm. but you know I, I I read you were gracious to send the the chapter on Bumble and I have all kinds of notes in the margins lots of highlighting as a, and lots of highlighting <laughs> it's like I was back in university again this is what I did <laughs> and 
there were some things that jumped out to me and and I I think it would be kind of interesting because Dante and I met on Bumble yeah. also. So just to kind of get your mm. your thoughts too on on what Trina's experience was and what mine was. There was a, a term that you used, personalized text porn, where basically the men that you matched with just wanted sexting that was personalized to them. So it was yeah. it was almost like, you know, it's like a certain part of OnlyFans now <laughs> where you get like that girlfriend experience, but still that excitement of limerence and brand new dangerous kind of affairs where it's like, bro, I don't even know you. <laughs> and there wasn't, and there wasn't a move or a plan towards actually meeting. They just wanted to endlessly get sexts from you and they wanted nudes from you. And they, and so can you mystifies me? <laughs> well, I'm sure it doesn't mystify you that dudes wanted nude pictures. No, but but to not take it further, like for that to be the goal was to just have this kind of digital relationship instead of actual sex. Actual sex. Like, like what is that about? That's one of the themes that I talk about in that particular book chapter, and it streams through the memoir that that I'm writing is the impact of these dating platforms. They are inverting the sexual script. I grew up at a time, for better or for worse, when you usually, like, you drag someone home from the bar. (laughs) And it's very much the in-person is the first, I see you, okay, the bar, like, this is going to happen. You know, but now it's like the in-person is like this dreaded, like, it's almost like it's third base, right? The first (laughs) is the match. And the second is, okay, a little bit of texting there. Then really shifting to a different platform with Snapchat or whatever, I guess TikTok now, I don't know. But and then, you know, the meeting in person is is kind of like the third base that seems like fraught with a lot of anxiety. And so they want to stay in the realm of the sex because A, they might get what they want and need, which is to get off. Mm-hmm. But B, you know, doing that also kind of kind of traps them in only the digital land, which some of them do want for a number of reasons, because I don't think we socialize one another very well to know how to communicate about sex and about intimacy and about each other in a meaningful way in person. So the in-person seems extremely risky. And I found that it was not just that they were wanting to get off or wanting to use me, but that the language they used was almost identical. And it was so boring. It's like, I'm going to do all these things to you. Okay. And you're going to do all these things to me. It was so detached. It was like, like robotic. I was just so uninterested. And the part that's missing is make me want to do these things to you by actually connecting and talking and use your imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's nuts. And I, it's interesting that you talk about, the meat then becomes third base where sex is almost expected because you've come all this way to actually meet somebody in person. And that was, there were a couple of things that jumped out that, you know, often women get shit on for not looking like their photos when they show Mm -hmm. up for dates Mm -hmm. and in-person meetings. But you found that men were doing the same, that they very rarely looked like their photos like, yeah, where'd that six pack go? Because <laughs> I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it. It's deep under there. <laughs> which which I never understood. I, I don't see it. 
I guess it makes sense if the goal is to never actually meet in person, then you can just put up the more idealized version of yourself. But if you actually intend on seeing a person and you look nothing like the photos you put up, what do you expect is going to happen? Like it, it, I'm going to find out. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, this lie is not going to be able to be carried on for very long. And especially if you're going to even progress to kind of an online, like a uh, video chatting, as, but I guess that's the same as kind of, it's like almost meeting up in person. But but as soon as you're going to have some kind of live interaction with the person visually, all this these lies that you've put out there are going to be exposed. And and what you think are going to be, you know what, it's okay. Because I'm the exact same. So let's just love each other for our flaws. But it's such a superficial platform. It seems such a, such a ridiculous strategy to employ. And it's just, it also really to me highlights the fear that people have about presenting themselves as they really are in the moment. Mm. We talk a lot about that, but we don't really talk about it, you know, as a society. There, there, you're right. There's a lot of lip service paid to who you are and what you stand for and, and all these different facets of you. But in this realm, you found that people will just lie about what they look like and, and how they represent themselves. And like you said, to your point, it may be because they have no intention of meeting in person and they just want to keep this fantasy going mm. of this digital girlfriend experience where they can just, and there's no, there's no planning involved with, with texting as my 80 year old father is finding out, you can contact someone without interrupting them and without mm imposing on them and so it's it's sort of a 24 7 mm -hmm. idea where they can contact you at any time and you'll answer when you want to but whenever they feel like getting stimulated or stroked or whatever it is they can do that whereas mm -hmm. if you have an actual in-person meeting that takes planning and it takes consideration and it takes yeah. and it just seems like that's a little bit too much too much work too much work <laughs> The other, the other thing I wanted to ask you, the other, another term was community service sex, <laughs> because I felt seen when I read that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I delivered uh, the, the chapter that I shared with you was based on uh, a keynote address that I gave at a conference a couple of years ago in the UK. And it was such a fun paper to give because I have excerpts from my field notes which are a fucking riot if I do say <laughs> yes myself. <they> <laughs> I I am an ethnographer so my job is to recreate the scene such that you are flies on the wall yeah and I bring you into you know one room in particular and I'm very very specific about the fact that you know on the wall there is uh, sketches of the British Parliament buildings <laughs> like hey kids big Ben like it's like vacation like just it's a scream it's like what am I doing here obviously it's my choice and I'm sober and it's fine like but you know what sex isn't always so precious and vital and beautiful and ah uh, you know the sex was not very good with this person it was, it was very hairy and you don't find that out until they take the pants off sometimes and it's like this is what i have to work with what are my choices right you know and there's different ways to enjoy an intimate experience of course you know there's there's orgasm there's like you know really steamy hot you know passion and there's also a different kind of thing that i spoke about with that with respect to that particular experience and it was being being so appreciated and desired by someone else who's just, you know, a stranger, 
there's something interesting and hot about that. And so I just sort of was in that space as sort of went through the motions. And sometimes you do go through the motions and it's not really a sin. It's no harm, no foul, provided that you're safe and blah, 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 blah. And at the end, you know, we ended up having really interesting like pillow chat afterwards for like an hour and a half. And his insights were really cool. So I did get something, right? But it was hilarious also because his cousin was in the basement and I was like, shut Oh my God. <laughs> okay, I'm like, whatever, 37, not 17, but okay, I'm here. I'm in the suburb, like, okay, I'm here, whatever. Like, it was, it was totally an adventure, you know, and I, I felt safe. And, you know, it was just kind of like something that you need to write about. But I think that's just so interesting because I don't know, I'm not going to speak for you. I don't know how many different reasons you have for having sex or if there's just that one big one. <laughs> But I, I thought it was so interesting when I was reading through that there, I don't think I ever really articulated in my own mind how many different reasons women have for having sex. And when you move past the shame piece to enjoy sex for lots of different reasons and different purposes, then you can be open and, and write about and, and enjoy different types of sex and that community service sex really jumped out at me because I understand that feeling of he's such a lovely person. I'm not super duper attracted, but it's almost it's almost like sex is a social bonding yeah. as non-human primates do. Mm. Right. To 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 just go, you know what? I acknowledge you. You're a good person. I'm not going to fuck you again. But this was cool. Like, uh, yeah. And I realized that that term might sound really disparaging. And so, I, you know, sort of, you know, using it with a, a critical mind, like, you know, I bestow this gift upon this, you know, unworthy subject. You know, <laughs> I don't mean to sound yeah. like that. But there are times <laughs> when it's like, you know what? This is probably a boon for you. And fuck it, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. End of story. Goodbye. And he has a and he has a great story to tell his yeah. buddies, right? Where it's like totally. there was this hot chick, and my cousin was in the basement, and he could hear exactly. everything. <laughs> and what's wrong with totally. that? Like it's that is more like you know that has been super okay for men to do, mm-hmm. right? Right. For a really long time, yeah. and. I think that's one of the reasons it jumped out at me because I was like, "Ooh, are we here? Are we at this place? I'm really excited about that. Yeah. You know, that a lot of women can't talk about having that kind of sex because it just, it's like, oh, you're only supposed to have sex with people you love. All this crap that's tied up into suppressing female sexuality. Recreational sex is fun. Yeah. And it and it's comforting and it's and you it's, learn and you meet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm also an anthropologist all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's and and it's so such a unique thing for you when you're able to have that insight as you're going through it and to not shame yourself exactly. and to not second guess yourself and to say no, this is this is completely valid and yeah. enjoyable and you know and on to the next mm-hmm. right that that kind of. I, present company excluded, I have also found men to be inordinately lazy on Bumble and other dating apps. They're just like, hey, hey, beautiful. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like, make me laugh or something. Yeah. But I. That's not always easy, though. 
Because there are a lot of empty profiles where it's two true. pictures, no, yeah. literally no words about anything. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed, you're giving me nothing to respond to. And when, especially when you get on a platform like Bumble, where the, the woman makes the first move, if they open with how's it going or hello or a one word, you, you don't have anything to go with. Like an empty profile and a one word intro I mean, I guess it's what women have been experiencing on Tinder and stuff for ages anyways, but we can't always, like, the guys don't always have stuff to work with, right? You had a great opening <laughs> in did. our in our our Bumble chat. and But you had a bio to go on. Well, so. that's right. true as well, right? So making an effort, not being lazy, look at the yeah. dividends that are yielded, right? Mm-hmm. That That is true. I think you're right. Women tend to be lazy because they can be. Because yeah. they're going to get matches and openings regardless. Yes, there is a sea of penises out there. <laughs> yeah, but one of the things I found ironic about Bumble is that although we can ask all we want, if the guy doesn't respond, it goes nowhere, yeah. right? And there's that weird 24-hour, like, if you know, and you get, like, the reminder, 30 minutes left. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I know this hot guy has not responded. I feel like a douche. I feel like, you know, what's the point of asking? I would always do, you know, rather... I think too long opening Kelsapri's, but I would always provide, you know, stuff for them to chew on in my opening yes. line. And almost and a good 40% of mine were just completely ignored. And when I asked men about that, there was a couple of different positions. Some guys were like, yeah, Bumble sucks because we have to wait for women. And then that would sort of make them want to dick women around when they did reach out. Right. But then the guys who were kind of successful and pretty good looking, they had so many women clamoring for them. They're like, literally, I don't have time to respond to them all. I don't need to respond to them all because I pick the ones I like the best. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of there were a lot of inequities built into that design that are not present in the more simple ones mm-hmm. like Tinder, which I think are far more equitable than Bumble, despite the fact that it's branded as a feminist and empowering platform. Yeah, you you wrote about many men resenting waiting to be asked out. So it's actually yeah. it actually makes it worse for women. Yes. Because they I think they get sold bumble as, you know, you don't have to do as much of the work and you don't have to you don't have to get rejected as often and and they actually don't know what to do with that. And I wrote here in the in the margin, welcome to our nightmare, the water is warm. Right. Because that's what we we've been waiting around. You know, you're stand, you're at a bar or a club or at a function, waiting for someone to approach you. And yeah, in theory, the Bumble model seems like oh, it just erases all of that, and it doesn't. In some in some cases, it exacerbates the inequality that still exists in our society with regard yeah. to male female relationships and 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 the approach and the opening, and that's. And standard dating practices. But I think it's also important to remember that, you know, okay, it's not necessarily revolutionary for women to ask men out for women to make the first move, because like speaking from experience, I've done it on numerous occasions in many contexts, and it's rarely turned down. You said in person, you you had a a, a great success rate, like, I, I think upwards of like 90%. So they say, yeah, like, and this yeah, is the thing no. you you are able to jump off of a off of a page and when you can see someone kind of in 3D yeah. and and see how they're you know see emotions on their face and how they speak and how they carry themselves 
there are, those are a lot of the components of especially initial attraction mm -hmm. that you are completely lost. Yes, and those things app. also help make the dating interaction a lot more efficient. Mm. Yeah. If I can see you and read you and, and, you know, smell you, whatever, you know, we don't have to be doing all this sexting and texting forever and ever 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 and ever, right? <laughs> Who likes to enjoy that? I don't want, it's not a game. My God, I type for a living. I don't yeah. want to do that in romance. <laughs> I would say that to a lot of them. I'm like, I don't want to, I write for a living. And they're, ha ha. So anyways, to get in, they just like river. <laughs> River and I'm like, uh, who am I talking to here? You know, I don't want to be a cyborg. No, I think the hardest part I'm I'm trying like when I try to wrap my head around the experience that that Trina's had and the experience that you had in in these dating apps is the fact that, and you say it in your chapter that like we're you were there to meet men and have sex, and I was on the dating app to meet women and have sex. So, but meet is the first part of that. Right. And so to not want to take it into real life just seems and like, why are you on this platform? Go to a, a, a chat app that is only for chatting. Why have this pretext that, you know, to trick some match into having conversations with you if you never have an intention? It's like a misrepresentation. Talk about fake photos and stuff like that. You're misrepresenting your intentions from the very moment you match with somebody because the match is supposed like I chat with. I, we chatted on the app mm -hmm. only as long as we did because I was away for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but we would have met very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you have this conversation to see if you have a rapport. And then in my opinion, that's to then take it in real life. But if we're, if we're taking anecdotal evidence into account here, mm. I always tease him that he, <laughs> his ratio of the number of women that he met. Percentages are misleading. <laughs> Here's a percentage for you. 100% of the women that he actually met up with in person on Bumble, he had sex with. And it's not just me. I'm just saying, like, I'm not the only woman. Yeah, but it's that. also not a thousand people. No, it's like not. <laughs> but but it, it was like six or seven. Yeah. So, so it was, it was, I don't know, is that statistically significant, doctor? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but I think, you know, to your point, for him to put the effort in and to actually meet, it's like at that, by that point, you're like, hey, that's look at all that effort you're putting in. And it's like, who I'm, knew that I, was going to be the that, That's probably why, it, with the exception of one guy that I also slept with, everyone I met except one, A, because, okay, the effort has been made and there's the community service factor. But B, because the Bumble Hive, at least at that time, 2017, early 2018, was a pretty sexless place. Mm -hmm. It felt very precarious. And so I felt like I better get it because I don't know when it's going to happen again. And my God, what a lot of work it was just to get this. Yeah. And then 2020 said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hard to meet. Yeah. But no, you're, and, and it's, it's funny. We were kind of all on at the same time. Mm -hmm. We were all on the app at the same time. Mm -hmm. So Well, and that, that like, I mean, the time, the timeline so 2017. Yeah. But I and and maybe my experience with this is is different than you know a younger generation that has grown up with this kind of online. I hadn't that's when a, I went on distinction. Yeah, because when I went on Bumble for the first time ever in 2017, it was the first time I dated in 20 plus years. So this was how people were dating now, right? It used to be if you like with my friends, if if they met somebody online or in like in a dating app or something like that, and then they married them, it was like this like. 
it was this shameful yeah, secret yeah. like oh like where'd you meet oh we, we met on match you're like oh right but now wh where do you meet you meet on the swiping apps and so I, I was like oh my god like look at how easy it is to it's like going to a bar and having thousands of people that you don't have to be scared about approaching. You just go, Hey, I'm interested. And if they're interested, then you start as opposed to that real world, like going up to somebody having to, you know, if they're with a group of friends or all that kind of anxiety that happens with reading it, meeting in real life is gone because you can just swipe away on things there. And so I, maybe I had like an old fashioned approach to dating and it, with these new technologies versus people who have, this is the only way that they know how to date. And so, they don't have the same kind of intentions. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the dating app is just part of the sort of digitization of life that has been going on and extends into many different aspects, like mm -hmm. school, transportation, employment, leisure time in general, mm -hmm. you know, gaming and all of that, like digital platforms have been around and seeped into I think younger generations, everyday lives in a much more profound way than yeah. are, you know, ilk as it were yeah. and so there is a real distinction and for us we have I think a bit more confidence about the in-person context so for us meeting is like dude let's just get it let's just mm -hmm. do it you know right but it is very different in terms of the generational piece but I have I do have to say that tinder was very different and I found people were really up to meet straight away. And there was so much less bullshit. I had to do so much less work. And also there were way more people, mm -hmm. right? So I, it was just such a better experience. There's still the fuckery, of course, but it was just the options were much more extensive and people were like quick, quick to meet. And it's like, this is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it, it's so interesting. You said earlier that you were kind of, trepidatious about tinder because you, yeah. you hear about it as like a dirty hookup app yeah. and there's just as many people looking for relationships on tinder as there are on bumble it's not well, it's, it's and really just as many people looking to hook up you know and when when people one of the questions i would get most often is what are you looking for yeah and Even it's like i don't know who are you like it yeah. depends it depends and so you know there there are people looking for all manner of of relationships and connections on yeah. on tinder and there's even like couples looking for other yeah. couples or looking for females yeah. or males on tinder i don't see the couple profiles as much as probably <laughs> you would <laughs> i see more I, I just wanted to um it's still in the same vein but you also wrote an article for your tango about dating younger men and the mm -hmm. advantages of dating younger men yeah and Again, this was something that I read and went, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. When I, Dante is actually the oldest guy <laughs> that I, that I met on Bumble and he, you were six years apart? Five and a half. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so prior to meeting him, most of the men, I'm 49. Yep. Yep. Firmly in your late. Firmly 40s. in my mid to late 40s. Yeah. And, and. I was dating men in their early 30s. Yeah. And so can we chat a little bit about what are some of the things that you found with younger men just in general and on the dating apps, why they were looking for older women? And I know this sort of archetype of the cougar seems so predatory and just taking advantage of these young cubs. 
And that was certainly not my experience. And it doesn't sound like it was yours either. Can we chat about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've always, I mean, I've dated across the spectrum, spectrums, you know, everyone, I'm, I'm a real equal opportunist. <laughs> and why not? Right. You get to learn so yes. much about yourself, so much about sex, so much about body, so much about everything. Yeah. You have your type, you'll find it, but just why not explore mm-hmm. anyways? Younger has come up a lot for me in my life. And, you know, in the article, I talked about seven different things that you know, kind of might make younger men a bit more attractive, or might align better with the ambitions and and stuff with respect to older women. And, you know, I found that in general, they're more fun, in general, more fun profiles were typically a little bit more interesting, and sort of current, they usually are more fit. And in terms of sex have more stamina. Mm -hmm. Also, in terms of sex, they're interested in uh, learning about female sexuality in a meaningful way. I find that with, sometimes with older men, there's a bit more threatening, especially if you're what is considered a powerful woman mm-hmm. uh, who also owns her sexuality. Um, it can be like, they say that that's what they want, but then when they get it, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> or they're, 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 they're scared to be vulnerable and to explore with you, mm-hmm. right? So, but whereas younger men, I think, you know, whether it's because of porn or, or other things, you know, we live in a very sex saturated society. They have acquired quite a lot of skills and they've, you know, watched many hours of different kinds of people performing all sorts of things, which is, which can be exciting. It can be messed up. It's true. But it also demonstrates that they're interested in variety and interested in fluidity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think in, which works in a lot of different ways and that's exciting. And also they're very interested in women who have their shit together with respect to career in particular, financial, but also women who have been through a lot of things and had an interesting experience. They want to learn from us in a way that is different in general from the way older men, I think they sometimes view my accomplishments as things that they need to compete with as opposed to embrace and like reflect on in an interesting way that is kind of productive and kind of sexy. You know, but younger guys are much more likely to do that again, sort of with the eye to what can I learn from this woman? Mm-hmm. Right. And what can we kind of explore together? And so those things are just like win win for me. Yeah, it, it certainly goes beyond what most people think, where all they think about is the sex. Yeah. Where younger men are have more stamina, they're a little more energetic, a little more adventurous, a little more open, which is all true shorter refractory period (laughs) but I think it it very much goes beyond that you know openness not just from a sexual standpoint but for life in general I find and and I think there was something in the article that made me go yep where older men and for for Trina and I older is like early 50s and all they want to do is play golf and (laughs) and and then watch other sports and I'm just like no And I just found, I find that younger men are more, they're more willing to do more things together. It's not just, well, this is for the boys and this is our tradition and this is what we do. And you go, okay, see you later. And so I've, I've found definitely that this, the same thing that, and, and that I know you're only six years younger than me. That doesn't sound like a lot, but five and a half. Okay. (laughs) But, but you've, you've been very, very expressive about 
appreciating yeah. the equality of the relationship where I have my shit together and you don't feel like you have to rescue me all the time. It's exhausting to have that role where you have to be the person that does all the things in a relationship. Is that what you have found in a lot of your previous relationships? Well, I found in, in the previous relationships that have ended that okay. when, when you reflect, you don't realize it and I don't think you're quite as right. aware of it while that's happening, but when you kind of do the post-mortem and you look back on it, yeah. or in my case, when I have a direct comparison and I go, oh yeah, like this, oh, th th like dating a, a a, a woman who is smart and and articulate and witty and knows her sexuality and owns it that's refreshing compared to the way i've had women in other relationships that that aren't those kinds of things or are very concerned or self-conscious about it it's a totally different relationship mm -hmm. dynamic that's there i you know i like we had a conversation with somebody about how, you know, I think I want to, I, I like dating women that aren't as smart as me. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want somebody who, who intellectually challenges you? Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Women who are not as smart as you? Yeah. Like, how does one do that? <laughs> you give them a little IQ like, test before you meet, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so it, 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 it's it's the kind of thing that 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 I just, I, I don't understand this, the, the people that, see that as a negative to the relationship like why wouldn't you want a woman who is who is as or more capable than you in other areas certain or all aspects yeah. of life like, and and i and i agree with you trina i think older men feel like they need to be the smarter one in the relationship they need to be the more successful one the more competent one the more confident one and all of that ironically masks a deep insecurity Yes, and I think men are weary. Some men are weary, and I hear that even in what you're saying, Dante, of needing to carry all of that stuff. But that's, again, part of the real harm of the patriarchal system. Don't put all that on men. They don't need it. And guess what? They're not all experts in that anyways. Right. You're not an expert in my life. Why would I give my shit to you to carry? What are yeah. you going to do with it? Right. There's no independence there. There's no opportunity for us to grow as people or as a couple. But when in your current situation, I hear that there are many more opportunities to grow and to learn and to advance in a number of different ways together, which is the point of having something that is, you know, kind of a mutually satisfying, enriching situation. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned, I think, I think it was on the IG live with Wednesday Martin that you're currently in a relationship with someone 17 years your junior. Yes. And and I think a lot of people are so dismissive of age differences like that and just assume that it's a very superficial relationship and they don't understand how deep those relationships go. How deep they can go. Sometimes they are kind of surface level and exploitative on either ends, for sure. We don't want to paint, you know, this idyllic situation. But in general, <laughs> there's a lot of depth. And at least from myself and my current partner, part of it has to do with the fact that we share a lot of things in terms of lifestyle aspirations. I don't think he has any desire to start a family and get married, you know, for instance. And, you know, I'm 48 and I have my family consists of two cats. No, they're so cute. And, oh, I know they're wonderful. They're <laughs> very wonderful. And they are a handful. And, you know, my family, all of whom, you know, resides in Saskatchewan, except for my dad and my stepmom who are up north. You know, we have similar things that we're interested in pursuing that are not sort of the normal tale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why things mesh nicely. 
Absolutely. And I, I think that was another thing that I found when I was on the dating apps, these younger men, when you talk about so much pressure being put on them and having to carry so much, I would talk to a lot of, I'm, I'm not an anthropologist just by training, but I would impersonate one and just ask, because I'd be curious as to why, I mean, aside from the sex, awesome. Why do you want to date older women? And they talked about this pressure from the very beginning of matching with women their age or younger, that it's all about, are you going to marry me and have children with me and do all those things? And it's right from the very beginning. You don't even get to meet and enjoy each other. There's mm -hmm. this eye to the end game from the very beginning, and they're just not having it. And so matching with someone like me and spending time with me, they knew that I was not interested. I was, yeah. you know, my, my children are adults and I have no desire to go back to the starting gate. And knowing that took so much pressure exactly. off of them that we could just enjoy each other and have a nice time, whatever it was we were doing, whether it was in bed or out of it. Yeah. And it's, it's such a unique such a unique situation to be in where it's like, I can, I can just enjoy people without an eye to what is the end result. Mm. If this, this relationship has to end in a maternity ward or a funeral home in order for it to be valid. Right. And that also just reflects all the different kinds of ways that we can be men and women in, in, in relationships and be successful and strong and happy. Right. And there's so many variations on the dominant themes that work for very few people and do not reflect our increasingly blurry reality, which is exciting, but it can make a lot of people uneasy and sort of delegitimize de these different kinds of situations. But that's just sort of the remnants of the old system crumpling, as opposed to really thinking about what do we enjoy about this and what does that tell us? Mm -hmm. You wrote an article in the conversation about Zoom meetings. And the yeah. way that men and women kind of behave in these types of meetings, like men are more likely to have backgrounds of branded university stuff. And, and that, that, sorry, say Hogwarts, that. Hogwarts, Hogwarts. <laughs> and, and that there's this, there's this, you know, that men don't like being watched and judged and, and, judged, and yet women are used to that because in the, real world they're being watched and judged all the time by everybody what what do you think is this like a moment of reckoning for men where they are starting to experience and hopefully therefore have more empathy for the plight of other genders out there and 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 what it must be like to live like them walk a mile in their shoes well I think it might make them think about what it might be like to walk a mile in their shoes. But I think in general, the use of the customized background for men in general, I think it's a safety thing. I think it's a way of securing and anchoring where they are in that space that is not the office anymore, hmm. but marking it as a definitive workspace. Okay. Whereas I think women in general and, and other, uh, other genders are kind of used to moving in and out of a multiplicity of space, parenting in the laundry room, parenting on the street, parenting in, in all the different, or, you know, I'm working at the dining room table. I also work in my living room. I can also work in my bedroom. Uh, I move between spaces too, you know, and I think, in, again, this is just in general, but making observations among with my, with my colleague who co-wrote the article, Dr. Shauna Burke, 
looking at them because we're in the same school. So a lot of the same meetings we attend, it's like, yeah, the majority of men here are using Zoom like customized backgrounds. And some of them are sort of the branded university kind of, you know, the Western purple go Mustangs, which is more common among sort of the senior folks, it seems. But there's so many different kinds, like the dungeon, like the Hogwarts kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing that my like little nephew uses on his kid's messenger, you know, kind of like, you know, but that's also not to be just, you know, discounted that it's kind of fun, right? It's a little bit, I was a geeky, but, you know, I don't know how to, how to do it. And frankly, I like my, my background. So I'm, I'm okay with my space and it's always pick and span because I'm obsessive. That's another podcast, but yes. these things sort of combine. And I think, you know, thinking about trying to make sense of this, because there is no really research on this because it's pretty new. Mm-hmm that came to mind is that well I think one of the reasons that men are also doing this is because they're not comfortable being looked at and that's what a number of my colleagues have said following zoom meetings and it's like yeah it kind of sucks doesn't it bro (laughs) but yet women use them so much less frequently because we are used to being looked at it doesn't mean we enjoy it but it's part of our daily habitus in a way that it is not for men Mm-hmm. Right? So I think there's a lot of really interesting potential and we had lots of great feedback on the article. Um, so we'd like to, to, to follow it up with a more like formalized kind of research. It was just based on, on our, you know, our, uh, observation over the course of many months, but yeah, so that's sort of what that piece was, was uh, exploring. It's, it's so interesting because another part of that article referred to a uptick in cosmetic surgery, facial surgery. And what I thought when I read that, what did they call it? The zoom boom in cosmetic surgery. And I thought, I know why this is happening. It's because when women are out in the world and in the workplace, they're looking at other people. When you're in zoom meetings all the time, you're looking at yourself. And you that's the Alice in Wonderland piece, right? You're not just looking at everyone else. It's like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) How's my bun? (laughs) <laughs> and you think, and I, I've, I've been, I've stumbled into lighting where I go, oh my God, is that what I look like? <laughs> I'm typically a mole, you know, everyone's like, you know, in the dark, it looks fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't turn the lights on. So I think that's a really interesting thing too, is that it's not only exposed men to feeling vulnerable in a way that they've never really experienced before and then adding another layer of vulnerability and self-criticism for women where they go oh my good lord like I have to do something about this and you think what is the answer to that like it's it's like we aren't hard enough on ourselves you know with the dating app photos and all of that kind of stuff like where does it go from there? When are we going to give ourselves a break and go, this is just how your face looks. It's fine. Like everyone, it's fine. No one is running screaming from the Zoom meeting because you're you're getting side lit <laughs> from the window, right? Like it's- It'll take a really big cultural shift for us to unlearn and to devalue those things that we have been brainwashed and it is brainwashing because it's constructed we're not born knowing this but we are taught this through our culture mm-hmm. so that means that we can be untaught but we have to have buy-in if it's going to stick yeah yeah and what what do you think would will cause that shift because everything is so much is image and video driven right now especially with us all 
at home, mm-hmm. what what is it going to take to cause that kind of a shift? Is it like the redo of the Roaring Twenties where we all just go out for everything and look our best and it doesn't even matter because we feel so good to be out? Is that what it's going to take? Like, what is it going to be? Well, I think in some respects, we can call upon the role of influencers and policy and governments, which should not all be run by white men <laughs> or by women who feel like they need to conform to the models of power and leadership and bodily outlook that is reflected in the dominant patriarchal model. So we have to restructure everything and get much more gender fluidity, equity, not just women and men. Mm -hmm. You know, this has been a pretty hetero conversation so far because it's primarily how I identify, but there's a wealth of other kinds of experiences out there. We need to see more of them. And we need to do another redo of the real foundational contradiction, right? We hear all these messages. I know you spoke about this with Wednesday and probably some other folks, but, you know, there are the wellness tribes talk about mindfulness and talk about just being where you're at and just living your best life and like, fuck, fuck the system. But then the system is continually run on images of women and men who look a very particular kind of way. And that is where the money is. And that's where the products go. And that's where we are encouraged to consume. So a lot of things need to be upended. And, you know, there are many different, like really cool, you know, queer fashion, you know, different kinds of interesting influencers, whether it's in sports or entertainment, who are shifting the, the narratives. But we need to do it more. And it has to happen in ongoing, you know, ongoing way, not leave it to the work of a couple of key influencers. But mm-hmm. lots of things need to be dismantled for us to really have different ways of accepting who we are. Absolutely. And I, th- I think I think y- your work and Wednesday's work and Michelle Hope's work, different people are, are, are certainly moving us in that direction. El Chase is another one moving us in that direction, which it's, it, it needs to happen. I totally yeah. agree. You had a question about. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as somebody who is out there being very open about your personal life. Yeah. And after a recent conversation we had with Dr. Wednesday Martin, uh, where she talked about the experience of a philosopher, Carrie Jenkins, who wrote about her personal experiences and she's a philosopher and talking about what love actually means. The philosophy's crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that was how she described herself. <laughs> but but she was she was savaged by her academic peers mm. for breaking norms and talking about that. And I wonder, it sounds from what you've told us so far that it's been very positive, but I wonder if you've bumped up against criticism or dismissiveness because of maybe the on the surface superficial nature of of you know the way you approach your love life and if that's kind of had any kind of if there's been any kind of pushback academically from your colleagues yeah i think that's a really important question and in many ways i mean who knows what people really say behind closed doors <laughs> true right but i don't really care because the path that I'm currently on with respect to digital sexuality and my autoethnography and my public scholarship, it's emerged really organically from a place of, you know, pretty high reputation and respect among my colleagues. And so, you know, I debated, do I use my real name? And I'm like, 
and it wasn't that long debate because it's like, A, yes, because this is my life. I can't write about this authentically, certainly not in the third person. And, you know, I don't want a new name. I like my name. <laughs> and also, like, I want credit for my experiences because I know that what I'm saying is super cool. And I know that how I'm saying it, people appreciate because they yeah. can resonate with it. And it's smart, but it's palatable and it's funny, but it's also really vulnerable. And people really resonate with that. And that's a powerful thing that I have. And that's how you connect with people. And like, man, that's what it's all about. And so I was able to sort of finesse this new aspect of my scholarship and self-presentation from a place where I felt really grounded and already respected. And also this kind of research and stuff, it's so damn sexy that everyone's like, this is so cool. This is amazing. <laughs> so I, in general, at least on the face value of it, have had nothing but really widespread support. And of course, the students think it's like super dope, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine the lecture halls are full. When, when yeah. this is the subject matter. I didn't get to swap dating stories with my props when I was in <laughs> university. But, so. Right. And it's like, it also really, it does a lot of the work that I love doing with my students and using sexuality as a way to communicate with one another and a way for me to learn about their experiences, not in a creepy way, but just to open it, open myself up and then learn how they learn, you know, and it's, you know, it's 2021, I believe. And it's just always astounding and kind of heartbreaking to learn that, you know, sex is still taboo for them. Many of them did not learn very much at school. And if they did, it was only by chance. They happened to have a teacher who had some time and who gave a shit about them. <laughs> They've also heard, well, you know what, I'm stuck with this. So I guess I've got to do the sex education or they get it in gym class. They just get scraps. And that just like brings me to tears because is such an important part of who you are and how to protect yourself and how to learn about intimacy, relationships with everybody. This should not be things that are just left to chance or circumstance or a marginal figure once in a while, you know? So that's really why it's, it's empowering and it's powerful and the kids want it and they need it and they deserve it. And that's really part of my advocacy work as a professor and a woman in the world who has a really good position to be able to do this with my students. And I think that's so important for young, I'm going to, I'm going to say women. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have male students that talk to you about this kind of stuff too, but I think particularly for young women, it's so valuable for them to have someone like you that has the experience, but also has the open-mindedness that they can talk to you about their experiences and their concerns and their, the gaps in their education. You'd, I think a lot of people out there would be horrified to, to learn how many female high school students are taught health by men. Yeah. It's, right. And you think these girls are 14, 15, 16 years old. Do you think they're going to ask their male phys ed teacher if it's normal, if this happens or if they see this or if they feel that like, no. And, and that, that only contributes to, to put it mildly inadequate education on sex and sexuality. None of it has to do with pleasure. It, it all has to do with STIs. And that's like taking a cooking class and only learning about food poisoning. Yeah. It's fear-based, right? It's fear-based yes. based on two people come together and then a baby happens. And it's like, dude, don't be afraid of the new world that is in front of you. We need to <laughs> people with with instruction that resonates with them to make sure they're not vulnerable, to make sure that they do pursue pleasure, mm -hmm. make sure that they know who they are. 
Yeah, that's an important. You shouldn't part. be afraid of that as teachers. And if you are, man, like you need the check, not the kids. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that's that's so important for them to have someone like you that that they can that they can do that. And you know, I admire you for being that person for them because I think you know, so often it's easy to separate from your students and you're up here and they're down here. And that doesn't sound like that's happening at all, that you're very much down in the trenches with them. Hmm. And, and I just love that because they, they will never, ever forget that. Never. Exactly. Yeah. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes learning, it turns learning on its head. Right. We can learn so much from each other. Okay. Yeah. I am sort of the smartest one here. Let's be honest. But <laughs> Right. And there's ways to do it so that you, that said it, it is really democratic. Mm-hmm. They will. This is go. The, this work goes well beyond the three months we spend together in each course. Yeah. And I still get emails from kids years and years later telling me that. And that just makes me so proud and happy for them. Yeah, that's amazing. They also pass that information on to their siblings, their housemates, mm-hmm. their parents. A number mm-hmm. of parents have come to my courses over the years. Wow. That's awesome. And I always say you can bring whoever you want, but they need to be expected to participate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love that. Game for it because it's a novelty, but then it's like, whoa, this is super special. Those ripples are are the best part, I think, of doing Great. doing work that impacts. And and I don't think we realize how far reaching the impacts can be until you get those emails years later or things like that. And then you kind of go, hmm, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 Mm. I think that's a nice place to end it. Yeah, Trina, where can people get in touch with you? Where where, where should we direct people who want to learn more about the work that you're doing and, and uh, the, the type of research that, that you're conducting? Sure. Well, um, my website is pretty comprehensive. It has stuff about my research, my public scholarship, a lot of my online stories. And that's just trinaorchard.com. It's T-R-E-E-N-A-O-R-C-H-A-R-D.com. And then um, I'm the only Trina Orchard on instagram and facebook i'm on linkedin but i don't use it i'm on twitter but i don't really use twitter my twitter handle is sticky sexy fad which is the first part of the bumble memoir in the making Mm. i like alliteration i thought of that title on the bus on the way to work once and i'm like sticky sexy sad doesn't that just sum it up yeah yeah sometimes yes yes (laughs) Yeah. What was I going to say about that? I don't, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. And I was just going to say, I don't blame you for not using Twitter very much. It's a dark place. Well, a little bit brighter as of a couple of oh, days right. ago. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's been hard. Yeah, yes. but it's, it's a dark place. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I much, I much prefer the other platforms, but thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. That was really fun. Yeah, that, to was, talk about that was that. awesome. Thank you, Trina. It was great. Thank you guys. All right. Bye now. Bye. So much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till we can meet see up again. People, with, see people in person? Well, I mean, yes, to go and see Dr. Orchard out in London. But mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about, to, to come back and talk about sex work and sex workers and her work in that space. There. Yeah, she was a wonderful guest. I, I really enjoyed that conversation that we had. And uh, we're looking forward to having her back and talk about some of the, the rest of her work and her research and, and where that's gone. I can't wait for the book to come out. Yeah. If that chapter is any indication. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be really cool. And I, I meant what I said in the podcast. I think I said in the podcast, it might've been in our after chat, but ethnographies are always, when I was in school studying anthropology, 
the best part of cultural anthropology was was the ethnographies Mm -hmm. and it's brave to put your life out there Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. but it also it's it's that it makes you very it makes you very vulnerable though and 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 that and and in in the climate that we're living in right now it's 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 admirable her bravery yeah. to, to do that. Well, cause social media it's makes a, you, it's a revolutionary act in today's climate yeah. right now. So how can people get in touch with us? We, we have DMS on Instagram and Twitter at cheating on fear. Mm-hmm. We have a website cheating on fear.com. You can send us an email info at cheating on fear.com. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cheating on fear, but don't feel obligated. Mm-hmm. It's totally and fine. You, if you like the episode, comment, Subscribe, share it with somebody that you think might find it interesting. Yeah, leave somebody, us a review. Somebody who's also on Bumble and, and having experiences. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let us know. Let us know about your experiences on dating apps. You know, whoever you are out there, let us know if you've had the same experiences or different experiences. We're really interested in this because you and I have our own story, but mm-hmm. everybody has a story out there. So, love and, to hear it. and that's we, we love to hear from you. So. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Thanks, everyone.